Welcome to Fresh Bread, a podcast of Grace Bible Church Gainesville. Well, welcome everybody to Fresh Bread, podcast number Fresh Bread, where we are taking God's Word to a starving world. We're talking about topic of eschatology. I know we did, did we do two on on post-mill and three on amill, and we're going to do pre-millennial today, which is exciting because that's one I think both Pastor Brandon and I are, are more aware of, so we're going to jump into that. Certainly more familiar with it. Yeah. Which sometimes might even be a disadvantage, but we'll see how it goes. But it's been it's been really interesting for me to go through the other the other beliefs, the other because I didn't know I didn't know a lot about Amil or Postmill. And so that's been good. So let's dive in. Premillennial. Yeah, I just wanted to say before we you know, you mentioned postmill and Amil, which we did go through. You know, we're gonna do a wrap up show, I think, of podcast of really looking at all of them and trying to understand disadvantages, advantages of each in terms of you know, strengths or weaknesses, I guess you would be a better way to say that. And so we want to be biblical in how we are looking at this. And so, you know, our hope would be to really nail down, you know, what why we believe what we believe and why we think that, you know, other other views aren't correct biblically. Um, biblical understanding. Yeah, I agree. So let's dive into to pre okay. pre mill. Yes. Can you give us a little rundown of what what that is well it's an understanding i think you know in terms of really a a view of history we would understand the apostles as they went off the scene i mean obviously ad 70 was a significant period of time for for the apostles uh, during the history of the church you know the church was a was fledgling at the time and you know god chose for the romans to sack jerusalem and and take them out and it ended the sacrificial system. Uh, we, but I think the difference would be for especially someone you know who takes a is a preterist or a, a or partial preterist would understand that you know have a different level of understanding in terms of what was going on in Jerusalem. A full preterist would say, or what what was going on when Jerusalem was was sacked by the Romans. You know, the, a full preterist would say that fulfilled everything in Revelation up to, you know, the very end. And so that they would see then that at that point we went into the millennial kingdom. Uh, and would, depending on their view of where Christ is reigning and how Christ is reigning and, you know, the, you know whether we're getting better or how, how they view on that, it would, would probably separate, you know, mill and post-mill. But with pre-mill, uh, we, we would be those who would understand or be a, take a futurist point of view in understanding uh, Revelation. I would understand the book of Revelation as being written you know, sometime in the 90s, uh, 94, 95, somewhere in, in that time frame, and therefore couldn't have been written about AD 70 because AD 70 had already occurred. Um, you know, John was on the island of Patmos. He was a prisoner. You know, he was there exiled, as, as the book says. I think that that happened. I don't think that could have happened early. I think that would have had to have some time go by. You know, he was an old man by that point. History supports that. So history supports him growing to be an old man. And scripture supports it as well in terms of the, the things that Jesus said to 
John when Peter, you know, said when he told Peter to feed his sheep, you know, he spoke to John and, you know, said, look, I, I deal with you differently. And, you know, you may, uh, some may live to be old and some may not, you know, and some may be martyred, some may, may not, you know, type of idea. And so, so I think that we take a, a futurist point of view in the sense of, so he re- wrote in AD 90, so everything he wrote in Revelation would have been yet future to him, except for, I mean, just to, let me, you know, uh, Revelation one eighteen says that, you know, you have, I'm writing the things uh, which you have seen. I would take that to be chapter one. You know, he's seen this vision. Chapter, or he says, then I, I'm writing to you the things which are, that would, I would take that to be chapters two and three. He's giving the, the, basically the, the churches and the, the health of the churches at that time, and who, who the churches were, at, you know, in 89, the 8090s will be or soon take place. And I think that is the rest of the church age up to Revelation 19 and Revelation 20 would then be the millennial kingdom. So I think he's giving that, I think Revelation is laid out in 118 as history is laid out in terms of what's going on. I mean, I say that, I, I mean, that's the premillennial view. I say that's what I think because I am a premillennialist, but but I mean, that's the premillennial view is that that's what John is doing in Revelation. So like I said, we would, you know, revel, or premillennialist would take the view that Revelation then gives you the history of, of, or the future of the church, that there will be a time of tribulation, um, that there will be after the tribulation, which is a seven-year period, which is broken down into two different, you know, half of it, you know, three and a half years, and the second half is three and a half years. Then you have uh, Christ returning in judgment, and that he will set up his uh, kingdom on earth, uh, and from Jerusalem, we we will see him. You know, premillennialists would say that 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 we see him uh, coming and setting foot in Jerusalem and setting up the kingdom there, from there to rule from there, and that he'll rule rule on earth from Jerusalem for a thousand years, while Satan is bound. And at the end of that thousand year reign, the Satan will be loosed, and there'll be a rebellion, and he'll put down. Christ, that is, will put down that rebellion, and that will usher us into basically the eschaton or you know, the rest of forever. I mean, that would be Revelation 22, where the, we have the new heavens and new earth, uh, the new Jerusalem uh, coming down, and and that will be basically everything will be reconciled at that point to God, and God get God and and Christ get all glory. Yeah. Okay. Was that a good synopsis? That that's pretty good synopsis. Uh, pretty, I'm just thinking if pretty good. It can be it can be confusing, confusing because you have a post mill, an ah mill, and a pre mill. So the mill is the millennium. That's right. A thousand years. Yes, and so yeah, the difference is is how you view that revelation, the passage in Revelation twenty. So the all three believe in a, a Christ will reign, eventually. Is that yes. what you said? Yes, I mean all three. All three would agree that that we when we get to Revelation you know, twenty one, twenty two, they would agree that there's going to be a new new heaven and a new earth, and there's a new Jerusalem, you know, the holy city, and you know would agree that you know that 
what we see in Revelation 22. I think that once we get to that point, everybody sort of agrees that, you know, this is what's going to happen. Uh, it's, I think the difference is how, you know, where we are today and how you view the church age versus how you view this time of tribulation at the end and, and a millennial kingdom. And so that's, I mean, where we, you know, premillennialists would say, you know, that, that we're in a, we're in the church age and it's a pause, if you will, it's a parenthesis, if you will. And it was, a, you know, the church is a mystery that wasn't completely understood, you know, prior to the church age, prior to Christ, the, you know, Christ dying on the cross, and that we're in this parenthesis period of time, if you will, this pause, um, that that then is going to pick back up at the end when the tribulation the tribulation begins. Now, among premillennialists, there's different views in terms of you know how Christ returns. Um, you know, some would say it's going to be a, a a pre-trib rapture. You know, where Christ brings takes up the church. Some would say mid-trib. You know, and then pre-wrath, and some would take a, a post-wrath view. But but by and large, all premillennialists basically agree that there's going to be this time of tribulation. There's going to be a millennial kingdom. There's going to be a millennial kingdom where he re- returns to rule on earth, but then there's going to be this final battle. Then he's going to, then there's new heavens and new earth. Yes, and and I'm looking forward to, when we're finished with pre-mill, to go into the three and the strengths and weaknesses of of those other two, uh, mill and post-mill, because, um, yeah. Well, well, we have to realize that there there are some weaknesses. There's strengths and weaknesses to pre-mill as well. And that's I mean, what I, I want to go into right now. Yeah. So if you want to give us, what do you want to start with? The strengths or the weaknesses of pre-mill? To go more into it, it's a literal fulfillment of yes. a thousand years. Christ yes. will reign a thousand years. I mean, I think that, I do think that there, the pre-mill view best fits with the rest of scripture. Um, I think when you look at the the way scripture is laid out, you have you know, you have the garden, you have the fall, then you have Adam and Eve being forced out of the garden. Then you you know, we have this time of of where there is um, basically pre flood where there is no restraint by the law, by any law other than what's written on man's heart then you have this situation where man you know Genesis 6 becomes so evil that that God destroys them and and he only leaves you know one one man and his family Noah and his family then you have you know the rebellion of the nations and again this is pre the law giving of the law, you know, that that they want to unify as nations and and go up to heaven, and you see God judging that by scattering them, and then you know the question becomes where does the the redeemer come from, and and so then you get into Israel and what you know what's going on with Israel or with Abraham ultimately, I mean first, and then then you get to Israel by the time you get to Egypt, but you know the the question of, through the whole thing is who is the Messiah and where is the Messiah coming from. And then, you know, God continues to narrow that down. 
and narrow that down and narrow it down to the to the point where you have all these prophecies of who he is and then he comes you know we see in, in you know Matthew and the gospels you see him coming and there the old testament prophesied that he would suffer and that he would be rejected and that's where you know you get into the church age and and what's happened with the church age and so then i guess what i'm getting at is that ultimately when you look at the arc of scripture when you look at what's happening in scripture the millennial kingdom fits it fits nicely into basically christ ruling and showing man adam fell then before the flood they fail at the tower they fail israel they fail then christ comes israel rejects christ as their messiah but then christ comes back and they're going to see him and they're going to understand that he was the messiah and he's going to reign and he's going to show i think the millennial kingdom ultimately the purpose of the millennial kingdom is to show that christ can do what adam failed to do adam failed in the garden and christ is going to basically show us and return us back to the garden and beyond and not just back to the garden you know because but beyond the garden we're going to be able to be in the presence of God and and of Christ. We see that in Revelation, you know, 22 that ultimately that's where we're going. And he's going to Christ is going to basically lead us on an exodus if you will. And he's going to show us, he's going to ba- basically show us, show the world. And I think we have to remember it's not just showing the world. It's not just showing humanity, but he's also going to be showing the angels, you know, that he is that he is capable, I mean, and so, I mean, in power to do this. And I think that's the, the purpose of the millennial kingdom ultimately is to, is for man, uh, for man, but perfect man to reign and show and do what Adam couldn't and to, to show Satan that he can't win. I mean, ultimately that, that Christ is going to win, win that he's going to reign, that he's going to reign and there's nothing he can do about it. Absolutely, because it's interesting you say that because there was an actual Eden where Adam lived on earth. The pre-mill actually talks about there's going to be an actual thousand-year reign of Christ on earth That's right. to restore that. Yeah, I think when you realize that, and it's interesting because I think the Amil guys and, and the post-mill guys would recognize Christ as or Adam as a king of sorts, right? He's a, he was the representative of God on earth, and, and I think the millennial kingdom... Christ will fulfill that, that he will be what Adam wasn't, that he will actually show and do what Adam couldn't do. And and so then when Satan is loosed and allowed to come and and threaten the garden, you know, threaten, if you will, I mean, I'm using that kind of metaphorically, but basically if, if when Satan is loosed, Christ is not going to fail. I mean, he's going to judge Satan and do what Adam should have done. He's going to banish him. I mean, that's he's going to judge him, and that's what Adam should have done. So Adam was, if you will, he was, if we look at it this way, Adam was a king. Adam was to be the king and the priest of the garden. Adam failed. Christ will not fail. When you start looking at it that way and you start seeing it in terms of the, the arc of biblical history, if you will, and seeing what's what's really occurring, and you understand that that Adam was a king and a priest, and we see that I could show you from Genesis chapter two, 
where that's how God saw him and that he, he put, set him up as a representative and as a priest of the garden. And now you have Christ who's going to be king and priest. And when Satan is loosed, then he's going to, he's going to do what Adam didn't do. He's going, to, he's going to tell Satan to get lost, if you will. He's going to judge, basically judge him, and, and it's going to be over. And now God gets all the glory. Of everything from everything that's happened from from Adam's fall all of, from creation Adam's fall all the way to the end God gets all the glory, and and, he, and no one can look at him and say well you know well what about this there will be no questions yeah yeah I like that because it and again I, I just that's the reason I think that the pre mill view fits because it fits in in the the arc of biblical history. You're right, and that's a strength. Another strength is, and you've mentioned this before, is that it, it fits Scripture that at the end of humanity. Well, how did you say it one time? You told me that after all mankind has, has you know, it, it talks about in Daniel, there's going to be these kingdoms of man. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Really, really what I was trying to say earlier was that, you know, you're going to have pre-flood, you know, there's pre-flood, pre-law, man fails. Horribly, man fails. Then you're going to have the tower. Again, man fails, right? And so both, what, what's the connection between the two? You're doing, they're doing it without God, right? Then you're going to have Israel, and, and ultimately Israel fails. Well, again, it's without, it's, they've, they've rejected God. They, they didn't do what God said. God gave them a law. They rejected God. They didn't do what he said. Bada bing, bada boom. They, they, they're out. I say they're out. I think that, I mean, obviously from a pre-mill standpoint, I believe that God is still going to use them in the end. But they, I mean, they failed. They were disobedient. So then, and they're getting the curses that they, that God promised. So then you have the church. Now, it's interesting the question is, is that, is the church going to fail? And I think that there's a sense where it's going to come down to just a remnant. I think that it's going to, the church is going to, in, to fail in the sense that it's still, the church still can't do it without her Lord. And so then I think Christ comes back and he begins to conquer and he leads us in, he leads Israel on a new exodus and he sets up his kingdom, and he reestablishes or establishes his rule on earth. And I think at the end of that millennial kingdom, then Satan will threaten it, and, and Christ will do what Adam didn't do, and really do what no one ever did, you know, outside of his power. And then he's going to lead us into the, into the kingdom. Mm. Yeah. Into the, into the <clears throat> new heavens and new earth. Right. Okay. I mean, so, you could you could say going to lead us across the Jordan. Yeah. Nothing in the Bible is like superfluous or, you know, or doesn't wasted. matter. It's, yeah. Nothing's wasted. There's yeah. no, I mean, all these things that happen, we can look at them and we can see patterns in them. Now, you know, I don't, I mean, patterns, when I say patterns, what I mean is, is that, you know, when God sent, when God sent Moses and, and led Israel on an exodus, I mean, that's a pattern. And, and I think we, you know, we're going to see that pattern repeated and we'll see, and we'll see that pattern repeated. Absolutely. 
I agree. So we're, we're talking about the strengths of pre-mill. We have, number one, an actual kingdom on earth. That, that's a strength because it fits scripture. Second is there a kingdom is established after all human kingdoms end. That's another strength. And another strength is the it, it is a literal fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant to have Christ reign. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I don't want to miss the the land seed and blessing. You know that God promised Abraham a land. He promised Abraham a land. He promised Abraham a, a seed, and he and he promised to bless Abraham. And Absolutely. I think that yeah. that I think that in the millennial kingdom we will see though that land seed and blessing we will see that fully fulfilled. I don't I don't think that I don't think you could say that it has been fulfilled and. That is a that's a problem, really. I think with other views in terms of Israel and not seeing Israel as being restored because because they've never received all of the blessings that God promised fully. I mean, they've they've been it's been partial, right? They've been in the land partially, but even you know under Joshua, Joshua never fully you know conquered the land. There were still people in the land that weren't supposed to be there, and so. You know, they never really fully conquered and, and never really never really controlled the land that was promised to Abraham. So I think that what we'll find in the Millennial Kingdom is that, that they will finally be given the land that they were promised, uh, that, that Christ will, will rule from Jerusalem and will establish those boundaries. Absolutely. And you know what? The one verse that, to me, that kind of nails nails that shut is is when in Luke 1 verse 32 and Gabriel comes to Mary and says this in Luke 1 32 he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and there will be no end to his kingdom the other views of eschatology it, that's never fulfilled literally that's why pre-mail I think when you when we look at the strength of it that's I think that's a big one. So, okay, we have the actual kingdom on earth. We have a kingdom established after all the human kingdoms ends. We have the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. And also, another strength of pre-mill is it's a literal hermeneutic. It, it, it emphasizes a literal hermeneutic, which is a strength. Yes. I mean, I, I would argue that, that I'm, I mean, which, which I went through the, you know, that, that whole idea of the biblical theology of, and the biblical, the arc of history, if you will, biblical history. But, but yes, I mean, I do think that I can look at these passages and I can understand them literally, um, you know, in terms of how I look at Revelation as an example. But even, you know, even there's some areas in the prophets where, you know, in Isaiah, where we see this prophetic understanding of something that's going to happen where things are going to be different than what we witness on earth today. Like there's going to be a, a partial redemption, uh, you know, where things are going to happen that, that doesn't fully fit the new heavens and new earth, but it doesn't seem to fit in history today. Like I, I can't look at what's going on today and say, yeah, that's, that's happening now. You know, what Isaiah talked about is actually going on today. Um, you know, where there's no war that as an example. Uh, so 
I can't say, well, that's what's happening today because it, I mean, obviously we, we don't see that. Now, the post mill guys would say, well, you know, give it enough time. Um, you know, there's enough, if, 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 if there's going to be, uh, you know, if, if you just give it time that, that the gospel will go forward, there's going to be this Christianization that we will see those things that Isaiah talks about. You know, we'll see those things in the future. Um, but I would say, I would say that I think that it's, that it fits Christ's rule. I think another thing is, you know, there's a, you know, the talk of a new temple, you know, and, and, and so what do you do with that? And how do you handle that? I think that's going to be in the, in the millennial kingdom. I think Christ will set up that, that temple, that temple will be rebuilt and Christ will set up, you know, a temple and there will be sacrifices. And, and, but I think that, I don't think that that fits in the new heavens and new earth, but I think that does fit in a millennial kingdom. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and it, it's funny because when you look at the prophets in the Old Testament, you got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Micah, Zechariah. They all talk about this earthly kingdom to come, and it's hard to spiritualize that and and not have it be literal. So, absolutely. I mean, I I I, I don't think you can spiritualize it. I think you have to deal with it, and I think because I think it's very. I mean, he's talking, I mean, Ezekiel gives actual dimensions. I mean, he says this is physically what it's going to be. And so how can I deal with that other than it being a literal, you know, what's literally going to happen? And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that recap show so we can kind of dig into this, some of this stuff, because I, yeah, I have so many, yeah, things I want to say. But, okay, those are the strengths of pre-mail. Let's look at some of the weaknesses of pre-mail now. And one of them that, that, that comes up all the time is the only Revelation 20 supports an earthly millennium. So, Well, just like the post-mill guys would say, you know, don't, don't judge me based on Revelation 20. You know, that, I mean, basically meaning that, you know, that's one, one chapter that's, that's in the midst of a... I mean, I've heard, you know, Doug Wilson say, I've heard Jeff Durbin say, hey, that's one chapter in the middle of, of a very difficult book to understand, you know, why would you ever build your theology based on that one chapter? And, you know, why would you, you know, and we're not doing that. So, you know, we're looking at the rest of Scripture. That's what I mean, that's what they would say. But I would argue the same thing. I mean, I can't build a theology around Revelation 20 in terms of, I can't start with Revelation 20. No, I have to look from Genesis to Revelation and see what is going on throughout the, the whole of Scripture. And I think that a premillennial view fits the rest of Scripture better than than the postmillennial view and and the amillennial view. I mean, I admit, I admit the postmillennial view, for example, the postmillennial view is is attractive. I mean, it's they they bill it as the eschatology of hope. Um, I mean, I hope that all of our hope is in the fact that Christ is going to rule and reign and that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and you know sin will be eradicated i hope that that's what our hope is and i think that that's you know what what ultimately is going to happen is that god is going to be god is going to be exonerated and you know that there there won't be any you know there can't be any questions you know his his glory will not be questioned and and I mean, I think that is true today. That it, that his glory cannot be questioned. Although, 
although that's what's happening in terms of especially, and again, we have to look at this in terms of the angelic world and what's happening in, in the angelic world with the powers and authorities. And ultimately, God is going to prove that he was right all along. I mean, that he was, that, that there is no, there's no room for questioning. And, and I think that everything has to be, everything has to be answered. I don't think that there can be any, any loose end. And I think the only way that can happen is by looking at it in terms of a, a premillennial view answers those questions. All right. Well, let's uh, stop right here. That's a good place to stop so that we can kind of keep this in digestible bites for everyone. So let's put a pin in it right here. Is that okay? That's great. Let's do it. And then we'll pick this up again in our next podcast, podcast 12. So hold that thought. You've been listening to Fresh Bread, a podcast of Grace Bible Church Gainesville. For more information, go to gracegainesville.org. Thanks for listening.